Do you know how close it was that this event did not occur? Can you, can you imagine how easy it would have been to just say, ah, let's just not do it. Let's just not do it. And certainly there was discussions that way. This thing was formulated all kinds of different ways. It didn't work out and didn't work out and didn't work out. But it's because you guys have leaders that are like what Mike shared with us, men who are all in. And they kept saying, let's try it this way, let's try it this way, let's not let go of this. If they shut us down, then we'll stop. We will not stop till they shut us down. Because of that, we got these days. God honored that. God honored their faith. And we got to be together. And we've gotten to hear such amazing things and build relationships. And Because, uh, you know, because Greg shared with us about how we're all going to experience relationships in heaven, Right? So you've got to make them here. And we made more here. And they'll be there to enjoy. So I just, I just appreciate so much the heart of the men that are leading around us. Men who are all in. And they create a world. They create a world that we can connect with God in. <laughs> Hallelujah. So... God, thank you for leaders like that that you've given us. We just appreciate the men that are around us. And I can also really say I'm just so thankful that I didn't have to take that quiz. That was a tough one. I think that question was a tricky question. So, um, but we've been at this topic before. How many of you guys have a T-shirt like this? Okay, this is uh, DTC uh, 2013, I believe, and it says eternity is a long bargain, and the name of the, the our theme was uh, eternal perspectives, and so I really like wearing t-shirts that kind of connect with stuff. I, you guys noticed my Noah t-shirt the other day when we went on our hike? Yeah, I, I like that. I like to say something there, and, um, and so just for us to recognize that what we're talking about here is that eternity is a long bargain. This is a German proverb. And, and so the notion there is that people go, well, I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about that. Do you understand what you are risking? Do you understand what you're talking about? Being right or wrong about this is forever. And that being the case, nothing matters more than this. I, I, uh, I want to try to bring an illustration of eternity. I, I, um, I thought there might be one, and there's several good ones, but a friend of mine who's in China gave me this one, and I've not forgotten it. Um, how long is eternity? And he's, a, he's a, doing ministry over there, doing kind of mission work, but he's really an engineer over there. That's his reason to be there. He's a math guy, electronics guy. And uh, he was able, he's, he told me just recently, to mathematically calculate how long the beginning of eternity is. And uh, um, uh, not too many people could figure that out, but he did. And I can share with you, and it's really pretty easy to remember. There's just one number that's hard to remember. But this is how long the beginning of eternity is. And it really helped to frame it for me. Just remember the number 737. 737. After that, it's easy. 
But it's not 737, it's 737,000. 737,000. But it's 739,000 trillion. 737,000 trillion sets. 737,000 trillion sets of a trillion years each. And you're allowed to say the beginning of eternity may have been reached. I have lived 63 years. In one sense, it sort of seems like a long time, long enough for me to have a little bit of a reference point where I can go, okay, imagine, John, you're going to be alive a thousand years from today. I can go, whoa, a thousand years. That's a lot of life, a thousand years. But I'm going to be alive, and you are going to be alive, and every human being that has ever lived is going to be alive a million years from today. We can't even comprehend that. You will still be experiencing yourself, who you are, as will every human being. 737,000 trillion sets of a trillion years. You will just be getting started on whatever comes next. If such a thing is true, then nothing matters more than understanding accurately and correctly about eternity. We are very wise, as Josh called us into, we are very pursuit of discerning to try to understand about eternity. And, and part of our hope in bringing this to you is that you will find a frame of reference that you never, ever lose your whole short, little, tiny, tiny life before you step into his presence. And that song, uh, uh, oh, I so much want to remember the line, where God, and, and, and what comes right before uh, 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 one eternal day, where God and glory shines, where God and, where God and glory shines, to one eternal day, you and I are about to enter into that place where God and glory, and you know part of that glory is your glory, and we're going to talk about that, and it's shining, and it's one eternal day. You are home, and you will never leave again. And so everything that's been shared is about something that never ends. And I want to talk about rewards. But I want to give you access to one more resource before I go on. Um, I've been having, as I think probably every pastor has, been having more people ask about, are there good books on end times? Is there good books on Revelation? And a lot of us have referenced the book of Revelation, but but nobody's had had time to delve into it. So... um, I have done a series on the book of Revelation, 12 weeks. I might have gotten the wrong clicker, Brady, or I'm going the wrong direction. 
that is not my PowerPoint. Brady, that's not, that's not mine. Uh-oh. Well, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> I can teach anything. Oh, it is. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> I just didn't recognize the italics. Anyway, but I am old. There's also that line in there about this failing body. I caught that line, too. Anyway, that link would lead you to uh, 12 messages on the book of Revelation where um, uh, it's not creating a chart, kind of like um, Rich walked us through, but it's just a picture of how what's talked about in Revelation can relate to our lives today. And if you want to get that link for me later, you could also get that later. So we are going to start with Look at the guy that we get to be with. And this should always be our reference point. Because, brothers and sisters, we are not about a book. And we are not about a message. And we are not about a mission. And we are not about church. But we're about the source of all those things. We're about the one from whom all those things come into our world. And we need to love him more, as Mike shared with us. And so this is something that goes uh, back a ways, and it's going to even have some of that old artwork that Greg shared with us. It was a little bit cheesy, maybe. Um, But I love the song, and I love where it goes. And... uh, It's about eight minutes, but he's worth it, so let's do it. vast expanse of a timeless place where silence ruled the outer space. Ominously towering it stood, the symbol of a spirit war between the one named Lucifer and the morning star, the ultimate of good. Enveloped by a trillion planets, clean as lightning and hard as granite. A cosmic coliseum would host the end of the war between the Lord of sin and death and the omnipotent creator of man's first breath who will decide who forever will be the champion. 
The bell, the crowd, the fight! 
was armed, and the devil leaped in fury. With all his evil tricks, he came undone. He threw his jabs of hate and lust, a stab of pride and envy. But the hands that knew no sin blocked everyone. Forty days and nights they fought, and Satan couldn't touch him. Now the final blow saved for the final round. Prophetically, Christ's hands came down, and Satan struck in vengeance. The blow of death fell Jesus to the ground. The devils roared in victory. The saints shocked and perplexed as wounds appeared upon his hands and feet. Then Satan kicked him in his side, and blood and water flowed. And they waited for the ten count of defeat. God the Father turned his head, his tears announcing Christ was dead. The ten count would proclaim the battle's end. Then Satan trembled through his sweat in unexpected horror. Yet, as God started to count, by saying, ten. Hey, hey, wait a minute, God. Nine. You're counting wrong. Eight. His eyes are Seven. His fingers are twitching. Six. Where's all this light coming from? Five. He's alive. Four. You know, that's why we can gather, because we have a leader who is the champion. He is the Lord. That's what it's all about, that something has been finished, something has been accomplished, something is now settled, that Jesus Christ, God himself, came into this creation, and not by power or by force, but by the rightness of what he did. He won it all back. He is now the rightful ruler. And so at the, at the uh, place of his resurrection, he could stand and say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I now rightfully rule here. And one day he will return. But until that day comes, you and I can understand who rules this world, who ultimately has ultimate authority. Is it Donald Trump? Is it, is it Xi Jinping in China? Is, is it Putin in Russia? No. You know, I've been reading through the, the uh, prophets in my one-year Bible reading, and it's just so clear. God says, listen, I'm in charge of all this. 
You see the Assyrians coming down to conquer you? I'm doing that. You see what's going on over in Moab? I'm doing that. You see this over here? I'm doing that. And then I'm going to do this next. We look at our world. Oh, I can't pay any attention to God. There's a COVID virus. What do you think is going on with the COVID virus? God is allowing that somehow. It's all wrapped into setting up the world just the way our champion wants it to be. We don't have to be afraid of any of this. Sometimes we don't understand it. Often we will not understand it. Sometimes it'll roll real severe hardship into our life. But our champion rules. And in the end, he wins. And we win with him. That is our hope. When we look at the world, they don't have a clue about what's going on. We know what's going on. The champion is rolling every dimension of human history to a certain place in time where the ultimate expression of who he is and what is really true can be revealed in the creation. And we must go along for the ride. But as another song we sang, he is always with us. He is near He is near. He is near. He is near. Our champion is near. And as we look at how we are to live, as Mike walked us through a little while ago, it's so important for us to understand what's going to change when your heart stops beating. And I'm going to speak to you as those who know Christ, and I'm going to trust that's true for all of us, although every single speaker has called us to really think about that and understand, ask that question. You have been invited. It's a very sincere invitation. Have you taken that invitation? Someone who really loves you and really cares for you has invited you in. Now, maybe very few times in your life have you ever truly felt invited in. Have you ever truly felt wanted? But you need to believe it this time. You need to believe it this time. You are wanted. And you are invited in. You. This invitation is for you. And you don't even need to so much understand all the doctrinal details of it all. Do you understand Your creator has an invitation for you. Will your heart believe that? And will you enter in? And Jesus, the champion, opened the door. He now has access rightfully to everything in his creation. And when we do enter into his presence, ultimately, guess what you will never, ever do again, among many things? Um, Aaron talked about with us about what's not in heaven. I'm going to mess the band up here. You'll never apply faith again. Enter into heaven. Never, ever again will you apply faith. You'll see God. And you'll go, let's see. I wonder if he's good. <laughs> no, you won't say that. <laughs> you'll go, oh, my goodness. Oh, his goodness. He's profound. He's grace. He's love. I see it. I sense it. It radiates. An angel has never, ever applied faith because an angel sees him. That being true, do you catch what an amazing opportunity we have now that no 
heavenly creature has. God made us in his image. The only thing God can fit into in this creation is your shape. He can't become an elephant. He can't become a whale. But he made you and me in his image. And if he said, I want to go down, I want to enter into my creation, I can take human form. I can do that. Through humanity, I can express what I am. You can love just as much as God can love. You don't, but you could. And Jesus took your form and my form. We are children of God. We are made in His image, but you have not seen Him. Can you imagine how it amazes the angels when they watch you make a choice in faith for God? When they watch you, knowing you're torn by maybe temptation or you're, 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 you're angry or you're bitter or something just pulling you the wrong direction, and you look at it and you go, no, Jesus would want this. Jesus would want this. And you go, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring this to God, whether it's to be kind to my siblings or whether it's to honor my parents or whether it's to bring my Bible to school or whatever it might be. And you just go, this is what Jesus wants. He should get what he wants. I'm going to do it. And all the angels go, oh, did you see what she just did? She's never seen him. And she just loved him. Oh, I know what she'll think when she sees him, but she's never seen him. But she loved him. It's the most profound thing we do. You will never be able to do that again. Once you're in heaven, never will you honor God unseen. It's our, I, think, I think it's our greatest privilege. These are your days of greatest glory. You can honor a God who is so amazing that once you see him, there'll never be any question. I wonder if I should obey him or not. You will not be thinking that when you see him. Now you can blow off the creator of a universe 42 billion light years across. And you just go, yeah, I don't care. And the angels are going, boo. But you can do it. But you can also go, I believe he's good. I believe he's good. I will follow him. And I will obey. And the angels go, whoa, 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 whoa. He's never seen him. And look what he did. The Bible talks about that. First Peter, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. That is our glory. And that opportunity is over the instant your heart stops. But now you have those moments of glory. Will you hang on? Will you persevere for his sake because you love him? I honestly think that's what this life is about. And we'll get a little more to how that may work. So let's go to another subject here. How many of you, how many of you is your mom teaching you you're supposed to say thanks? Or maybe your dad. You know, you're supposed to say thanks. Say thanks, thanks, thanks. I really appreciate people who are thankful. And 
you know, to be appreciative. Sometimes in my life I'm so goal-oriented when something happens I am thankful, but I don't even say it. I don't even, I don't even recognize that. I have friends that are very thankful. And when they're that way, I go, you know what? That's better. They're doing what's good. I need to grow. Let me ask you this. Who is good beyond all others? Question number seven on the quiz. Who is good beyond all others? God. Okay. So who will bring the greatest expression of thanks and appreciation? God. You ever think about God that way? Who's the most thankful person in all of reality? It's God. Do you ever have people not thank you for something? You did something, you sacrificed, you did whatever, and you laid it out there, and they just rolled over. It's kind of like, oh, I don't feel too good. If being thankful is good, what are the chances that God would ever let you serve without saying thanks? If being appreciative is a good thing, what's the chances that you could ever serve God and Him not show appreciation? Now, you can serve a lot of people, and there's a chance you'll get nothing back from it. They'll totally ignore you. They won't appreciate it. They'll they'll think you did it wrong, whatever. But there's one person. There is one person. No one will ever do anything for him, even just bring a cup of cold water. And he says, I will never forget that. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, look at me. Thank you for doing that for me. I will never forget what you did for me. And so we can ask ourselves, wow, what's that going to look like? Um, what does God's appreciation look like? And of course, the answer's obvious. We don't know. <laughs> right? The Bible tells us that. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever you can imagine, it's more. I did a teaching on heaven a long time ago where I said, okay, roll out your imagination. I want you to have it go as far as you can go. I mean, maybe you love to ski. And skiing's your thing. There's got to be skiing in heaven because I love skiing. And, and so just imagine, you know, you're rolling down the hill and, and, and the snow is, is really cold, but, but the air is warm. And you fall, and you get yourself all splashed full of snow, but, but it turns into ice cream cones in your hand of the favorite flavor of the day. You know, it, it just whatever you can imagine, anything you can imagine, it's beyond. That's what, how he's going to say thank you to you. And here's what's really cool. God made us as human beings, And so he knows all our desires. So there's lots of natural desires in being a human being. There's all kinds of things we enjoy and we get excited about. And have you ever wondered why you like going on a roller coaster? I mean, what's the deal with speed and being whacked around? Why do we like that? I used to feel bad I'm riding my motorcycle. You know, I'm riding my motorcycle. I'm just really, really enjoying this. Now we go... Why do we even like this? What is this story? I don't even get it. You know, I'm just rolling through. Maybe I shouldn't even like this. This is dumb. I'm juvenile. I finally decided 
He made me to enjoy the creation. He made me to love the colors. He made me to love the cool air and the warm air and the mountains and the flowers, the bluebells and the rocks. God made me to love those. So he made me with these desires, and then he made a world to fulfill those desires. Now, I have things that we all share in common. I love adventure. I love to travel. I love all kinds of, I don't know, I got my own set of things. Some of them we all share in common. But I want, to, I want you to understand is, well, let me do our next picture before I go to the specifics. There has been one time where we've gotten a picture of God saying, I want to make you happy. And I'm going to make an entire world around you and what will make you happy. And it didn't last real long. But do you understand what was true in the beginning? God made human life, physical human life, with certain things, the way our brains work, things we enjoy, things we can experience. And knowing how he made us, okay, he's made, okay make all these different dimensions of you, all these things you're going to like, all these things are going to just like how your world works. And then I'm going to make the world that fits perfectly. And then I'm going to put you in it. It's like a dad understanding what his child wants in the most perfect way for Christmas. I know you want an electric train, and I know you want it to look like this, and I know you want there to be a tunnel and some trees, and, and I'm going to make it all for you. And I love this picture. It hangs over my desk. And I love it in part because I really, truly believe this represents a real, actual moment in history. There was a real moment like this. And really, there is a theory. There's a theory, and it's not proven, but there's a theory that is actually taken from a photograph. Uh, and you see the Holy Spirit there in the dove flying in the front. And, of course, I don't see Jesus there, but we know the Father is in the back snapping it on his phone, and he's the one that took the picture. And so we, we have this sense of him just releasing them. And I have looked at that picture, and I've thought again and again about different dimensions of what's in there, how amazing it would be to be one of those two people. And of course, if you're like most of us, as you look all over, and I love the dinosaurs, and I'm just not even going to get started here, but my, my mind always returns to the two people in the middle. Perfect relationship. Nothing works when we're alone. And God gave us perfect, unbroken relationship. Well, shortly after this picture was taken, we were deceived, or let's say the uh, original progenitors of all my dear sisters in here, you guys were deceived. Somebody came along, said they knew what they were doing and knew what was right, and they told you, and you hadn't figured out snakes could lie yet, so you believed them. But the forefather of all the rest of us men disobeyed God and chose to use the creation to satisfy us instead of God. And it all fell in darkness because the creature did not love the creator. 
And the champion went down. But it was not the final round. And so, we have a God whose heart, and that's what I catch out of that picture there, the heart of God. What's God's heart for you? Well, God's heart is infinitely good. God's heart is to give you every single thing that would satisfy you. And it's not just us generically. You know what? God knows you. Every one of you is unique. You know why you're unique? Because he made you unique. He loves that uniqueness. Every one of us is different. There's things about you that will never appear again, and they've never appeared before. You, just like God doesn't make any two fingerprints alike, we know that because he doesn't make two people alike. That's why he does it. Because he just wants you. He wants a personal relationship with you. And one day, as you trust him, he is going to give you a world that you will go, whoa, this is just for me. You know me. You know me. But it's important for us to understand that it's even beyond that. It's bigger than that. It is not only that. God will bring a big dose of whatever is fitting. And this is what I want us to catch here because this is what helps guide us through life. It says in 2 Corinthians, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So this is talking to believers, but it applies to everybody. Every single person, including all of us, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You and I are going to have this moment where I enter into his presence and he is my judge. And we can, we can hear that and that goes in conflict with things that we've understood about the gospel. Well, what about grace and how come there's going to be a judgment if there's grace and and and. And what we must recognize is there is a reality that produces a tension. Okay? So each one of us is going to be responded to by God. He has to do that. He doesn't have any choice. He must justly respond to every single thing brought into his creation. It's his creation. How many people, how many times have you talked to somebody that they're mad at God because why would he ever let this happen? Why would he ever let this happen? Why did he let this happen? We sense in our minds, God must respond. He has got to do something about that. Understand this. When God is finished with his good and gracious judgment of the world, Every one of us, every person, I think every person that will be separated for all eternity, every person will look at it where, you know, okay, we're done, we're done, it's done. Every person will look at what's present when God is finished, and they'll go, wow, he did it exactly right. He did it exactly right. He judged me exactly right. 
He judged every single circumstance. Every good thing was blessed and honored and recognized. Every bad thing was addressed correctly. Every single thing. Every, Jesus tells us real clearly, every word, every thought, every action you bring into the creation, Jesus is going to pronounce on it. He is going to say that was good, that was not good. And it's how he exercises his appropriate authority. Otherwise, people could go, well, man, you got away with that, didn't you? You never did, never did say anything about that. I mean, you know, you, you lied on that test, and Jesus never even addressed it. I should have lied more. Every single thing we bring into eternity. And Jesus says that a lot. This isn't from him, but... Galatians, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And if, if there's anything good or bad, if there's something good that he doesn't honor, you go, he never honored it. I brought it. I brought it. And he just blew it off. Or I lied or I stole or I did wrong and, and he just never addressed it. And we go, forget it. It will not happen. He tells us, he tells us every word, every thought, every action. He will address Now, to help this make sense, I'm using an analogy from my own family. So if you're a Christian, how does that work? Well, if you're a Christian, Jesus dealt with everything that destroys the relationship between God and man. He said, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with you. And he, he, he did everything he needed to do. He gave the life of his own son so you can be a son, a living son again. As it says in the parable of, of the uh, um, prodigal son, the father says, this son of ours was dead, but now he's alive again. And that's what salvation is. You are part of a loving family full of grace and acceptance. But this is two of my sons. They are genetically identical twins, and they don't look like that anymore. Uh, they turn 29 tomorrow. But I have four sons, and these are the two younger ones, twins, and um, back then and to this day, I deeply, 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 deeply love them. They are my children. And there are times they looked so much alike that we could not tell them apart. We would dress them in different colors. Um, and to this day, when I look back at old photos, there's some photos I can tell, some photos I can't. In this photo, I can tell. <laughs> I guess I'm not sure. But anyway... Um, so they are as alike as you could possibly be. But, and I love them the same. I love them the same. I love them the same. But it would be wrong for me to treat them the same in every circumstance. If one of them hits the other and steals his toy and breaks it, and they both came to me, and I go, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do anything about that because I love you both. I love you both. Oh, don't worry about that. I love you both. And then he whacks him and hits him with a stick and goes and throws his bed over. And I, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do anything about that. I love you both. The one son would be going, I'm not sure I'm liking this love thing. I guess I'm going to have to protect myself. I guess I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. Now, when the one guy whacks the other one guy, and that did happen at times, did I love this guy less? No, I would die for him. But I didn't treat him the same. It was like, you know what? We need to learn. We can't hit our brother with a stick. Now let's go in the bathroom. 
and my response was different. One of the things I struggle with at times is, who am I, God? Am I a good guy? Am I a bad guy? Am I spiritual? Am I unspiritual? Am I loving? Am I selfish? I don't even know who I am, God. I just is so confusing. Do I need to go in the bathroom more? What's the story? When Jesus gets done at the end of my judgment, I will know exactly that is who I was. And that is who I am. Thank you, Jesus. That's me. That's me. And whatever it is, I'll go, and that's good because you love that person. You love that person. In your life, every single thing you bring, every single thing you manifest in his creation, Jesus has to respond to. But if you are in Christ, the reason you're in Christ is so he never withdraws his love from you, ever. You are always part of the family. And that's the point of life, is to be in the family. Okay. Romans 8, says this, we're God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God. That means we inherit his stuff and co-heirs with Christ. If, indeed, we share in his sufferings, in order that, we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so what we're told in the Bible is that, that you know, we look around here, I don't know if there's anybody in here that looks glorious. Uh, we're not that glorious, and, and you get less glorious over time, I assure you. But God says that one day a glory will be revealed in you. You will be astonishing. Now look at that person in front of you. Can you really honestly believe they're ever going to be astonishing? But they are. They are. They're going to take your breath away. It says that we are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And what it tells us here is, you know how that happens? Is you must suffer with him. Somewhere you must experience a loss that you only experience because of him. And, and, you, and there's a decision there. You would never, ever, ever make that decision. You would never do that except that. You want to please him. And because you make that choice to please him that you would never make for any other reason, he says, right there, there is glory in that. There is glory in that. You have not yet seen me. There is glory in that. It goes on to say the whole creation is waiting to find out what we're going to turn into. Because of the glory of what it means to be a child of God. We're pretty unimpressive, honestly. Do you really think the children of God are going to be unimpressive in heaven? We run that place. You will judge angels. You are going to be impressive. But we're not now, except in how we can express Christ. So God is listening and watching for what we bring now in faith. And I'm just going to read some verses here. You can read along or listen. These are in Malachi, and they were really a little bit long to put on here, four verses. 
But Malachi is really about our heart to honor God. And he goes through different ways we dishonor God, or they were dishonoring God. And in verse 13, he said, You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? In other words, we're totally clueless. We don't even know what's going on. This is the deal. You have said it's futile to serve the Lord. What did we gain? By carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before God Almighty. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper. And even those who challenge God get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. Are you among those that hear all that garbage going on out there and yet you go, you look, I've got to find somebody to talk to about this. I've got to find somebody else who honors the Lord. Those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And God goes, I'm going to go over there and listen to that. Yeah, I want to hear that. That's my place with those guys right there. What's in this room? A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And what I want to have you guys catch out of this is I want you to understand without fear, but I want you to experience the tension that every single thing you do matters. Okay? That every single thing you do is going to come before God again. And then I'm going to talk about why that's good. But because we don't recognize that very often, I'm going to have some verses read, and I'd like you guys to read them. And I would like to have 15 people read 15 verses for us. So can I have 15 people who want to read verses? And every one of them is going to have the same theme from, from Job through Revelation on how God's going to acknowledge what we do and, re- and address us based on what we do. We have 15 people come up who like to read out loud. and um, Verse number one. Verse number two. Number three, remember your number. Number four. Number five, number five, number six, number seven, number eight, number nine, number ten. And this is going to be a lot of verses, isn't it? Number, and you guys can know you got to be up here. Number 11, and you also have to talk into a microphone. Number 12, I need three more brave people. You'll get eternal rewards for this. Number 13, number 14, number 15. I checked it out. There's a verse in uh, Nahum that says that. Okay. All right. So um, I want you guys, you all know your numbers, right? So all these will go across the screen. You can close your eyes and listen. But this is my theme. 
you have not gotten this in any of the messages yet, and you might not get it for a while in a sermon. I want you to understand, Jesus looks at you, and he grabs you, and he squeezes you, and he hugs you, and he loves you, and he says, every single thing you do, I will address with you. Okay? And you can watch. Read your number. Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to give him this one, but that's better. Yeah, you have to do a mic. You have to pass the mic. Kind of read it. Give a little pause between each one. And number one is right. Let me see if I got it right here. Ooh, yeah. That was my picture. Okay. Uh, it was Job. Job. Right here. Okay. For according to the work of a man, he will repay him. And according to his ways, he will make it befall him. Job 34, 11. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. Who's three? For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Jeremiah 17, 10. But I tell you that a man, that I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Matthew 12, 36. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Romans 2, 6. He will render to each one according to his works. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Romans 2.16 For we will stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Romans 14.10-12 First um, Corinthians four five. Wait till the Lord comes; He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness, and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Second Corinthians five ten. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Ephesians 6, 8, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Colossians three twenty five, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. Revelation 20.12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. Revelation 22.12. Okay, thank you, guys. I, yeah, you said me. Okay.
This is our tying together thought. To the degree we have faith, those verses are our hope and our joy. So God has told us that one day he will look down and respond to every single thing we brought into the world. So it's like we're all in a game show, guys. We're all in a game show. And the, the guy who runs the game show has slipped up beside us and he says, I'm going to give you the secrets on how to win this game. I'm going to tell you how to win. And he has told us every single thing you do for me, you will have forever and ever and ever. You guys remember that verse in John where it says, um, uh, in my father's house are many rooms, I go there to prepare a place for you. You guys remember that verse? I go there to prepare a place for you. So Jesus right now says he's preparing a place for you. What does it mean that he's preparing a place for you? So he's been gone now. He's been preparing a place for you. Now, we know he was a carpenter, so maybe that means there's going to be some nice woodwork. We're just not quite sure, you know, preparing a place for you. Um, But there's another interesting verse in Ephesians 2.10. Does anybody know Ephesians 2.10? Ephesians 2.10, do I see a hand over there? We got some... Oh, that's Ephesians, uh, yeah, 28 9. How about 210? Are you going to get there? Did I jump in too quick? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So in your life, God has prepared good works that are a perfect fit for you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He says, I'm going to prepare specifically things for you, and they're prepared in advance. And then he said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. What if the two people in all of reality that are preparing a place for you is Jesus And you, as you walk in the good deeds he's prepared for you. And as I think about what eternal rewards are, I honestly think there aren't, there are not medals we get in a drawer and we stick in a drawer in heaven. Oh, here's all my rewards. See my drawer? I think there are ways we've touched God and he's touched us and it's going to change who you are are in eternity who will you be how much of the glory of god will be reflected through your life it will be based on your choices now what have you done now how have you chosen now i want to share with you a story and close with this story caden wants to come up and um it's it's a vision of homecoming for me um and it's kind of how I think it's going to go. Let's see, but I want to go back to my other picture here. Because uh, this picture also means a great deal to me. And this picture relates to where I want to go in this story. But what I want you to do is... Uh, um, to imagine a moment that's going to be a real moment in your life, some point in time, 
your life will end. Jesus knows that day. There's a big calendar in God's office. On that calendar, there's different names written, and on one of those days, your name is written. And Jesus walks up and he goes, oh, John comes home today. He doesn't know that, does he? Today he'll be home. And your name is written there, and some of our names are written probably sooner than we think they're going to be. And when that happens, you will enter into the presence of God. And you will never, ever, ever leave. The 737,000 trillion sets of a trillion years begins. And there you are. And it starts this way. That's how I see it. I have this vision. And, and I enter in, and then there's all these people. There's just all these people, and I'm sort of coming over a hill, and, and there's all these people. It's like this huge gathering and party, and there's just such happiness and joy, and, and Jesus sees me. And he runs up, and he grabs me. And I get this hug. And I imagine myself sort of like I sense in that guy, you know, tired and exhausted, and, and like, wow, I'm just so glad I made it. Pulls me back and looks me in the eye and says, Hey, I called you here. I knew you'd be here. And he hugs me, and I have that sense it seems to go on forever. It's like, oh, I'm experiencing something that just it, it's 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 an eternal experience in and of itself. And then and then all of a sudden the scene changes. And and I'm still with Jesus, and I'm just, just still sensing he's just so happy with me, and we are so connected on it. I'm finally experiencing a relationship that seems so perfect. And I know he cares for me, and I know I'm safe. And we're in this room. And in this room, it's a big room, and it's like there's this pathway in front of me, this real straight pathway. And, and I realize, actually, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's a, like it's a conveyor. And, and it's moving. And, and I watch, and there's, there's, there's packages beginning to come in through the door on this conveyor belt, and they're, they're moving my direction. And, 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 and I look up at the angel that's standing beside me. I say, what is this? And, and he says, well, these are the good works that Jesus prepared for you. And they're all wrapped, and, and, and a lot of them are gray, and, and they're wrapped in a red bow. And they come up, and they get closer, and I can see into them. And I, I can look in there, and I go, oh, that was right after I got saved. And, and, and I had this sense that I needed to talk to my little brother. And, and, and I had gotten so mad at him that morning, and I just didn't do it. And... and And the package goes on by. And they come, and, and then there's one coming. It's, it's, it's all colored. It's like it's, it's like it's alive. It's just glowing with color. And, and, and it comes up, and, and, I, and I can see in there. And it was, it was a moment where I really knew I should, I should come alongside a friend, and, and I didn't want to do it. But, but I sensed that Jesus loved them, and they didn't understand that. And I came along, and I stepped into the world because I thought Jesus would smile on that. And, and I see it in that package. And, and Jesus reaches down, and he picks up that package, and he says, John, 
I saw that moment. This means the world to me. And he sets it down, and he gives me this big hug. Thanks for that moment. And as he lets me go, I sense I'm a little different. I've changed. And I look down at the package, and it's been changed, and it's turned into an image. It's like a picture that captured that moment. And I see Jesus reach down and pick up that picture, and oh my goodness, he puts it on his refrigerator. And I realize he's going to look at that moment forever, that it means that much to him. And I watch the packages come, and way too many of them are gray, and but there are many, many that there was faith and there was life. And every one of them, he picks it up and then he grabs hold of me. He says, John, I saw that. I know that, that the, I know the tension you were in. I know how hard that was. I know I saw that choice. I was right there. Oh, thank you. And he puts me down. And I'm a little different. And the picture goes on the refrigerator forever. And the day goes by, and package after package, every one of them prepared for me. And I'm so thankful for every single thing that I brought in that blessed my Lord and that he will look at forever. And when it's all done, he picks me up and says, I'm so glad. And I look around and I'm, and I'm filled, the room filled with these glorious beings, glorious beings. And I look down and I realize I'm one of them, a child of God, and I'm home. And just like I think that first picture with Adam and Eve is not a fantasy. It really happened from our God. That description, in some form or fashion, is your real future. Bring Him your life. Make Him buy a bigger refrigerator. Bless his soul before you see him. He will not forget. Lord Jesus, I just pray for each one of us here. You made us individually. We're in our churches, but probably one day we'll be in different churches. And well, the kids will leave their families and everything changes except you. But we can live for you till we see you because you've prepared these things. You see it all. The world may go completely crazy. Who knows? But you know, you've seen it. And for each one of us, individually, you have prepared good works. And if we walk in those, you will never forget. Help us to believe 
and love you. In Jesus' name, amen.